is great. Today our gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. It's known as Mary's Song of Praise. Hear these words. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. start off by uh, painting a little bit of a, a word picture so that you can see the image in your head of uh, what I'm talking about. There, in a church that I previously served, as there are in many, many churches, uh, what I have lovingly dubbed the wall of pastors. Has anybody ever been in a church that has the wall of pastors? Yeah, okay, there are some of you who have. So some churches, they put up the pictures of all the pastors who have served and uh, in a church that I served, the wall of pastors was downstairs in the basement. We like to joke that it was to scare away the rats. Um, but if, if you would think about this wall of pastors in particular, the top row was old white dude with a beard, 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 old white dude with a beard. Then when you got down to, you know, probably about the third row, it was old white dude without a beard, old white dude without a beard. Then a color photo of an old white dude without a beard. And some more old white dudes, old white dudes. And then there was me. <laughs> there was me. So this is the church that uh, had a new family that had been visiting. Their, their name was the Flowers family. The Flowers family had just changed churches. Uh, there was some stuff happening in the church they had been attending and they were seeking a new church home. And the thing that I loved about this family and didn't envy, loved about but didn't envy, they had three boys under the age of eight. I know, right? God bless them. And they were the best parents ever, these parents. So one day the mom was telling me that the boys needed a new pediatrician and so they had uh, made an appointment, again, people with this many kids, boys in particular, I don't understand. Um, she made all of the appointments together to kind of stack all of the kids' appointments. Those of you with multiple kids are like, yes, this is what smart parents do. So she had all three boys in the pediatrician, and uh, when she was leaving, she was talking to the boys about the fact that their pediatrician was a woman. And it didn't phase the boys, um, they just, they said they liked their new doctor, and that was that. Now, the thing about our church was not only was I the first uh, female senior pastor, I was the youngest female senior pastor that they'd ever had, the youngest pastor they'd ever had, 
And at that time, my two associates were both women. So there were three women leaders at this church. And so one day, uh, Mrs. Flowers was telling me that as she was driving home, the middle of her son said in the van, Mom, I have a question about church. And she said, yeah, what's, what's going on? And she said, well, you know, I've been thinking about it since we met our new doctor, who's a lady. Um, and, you know, all the pastors at our, our church are ladies. Can boys be pastors? <clears throat> yes, boys can be pastors. Yes, boys can be pastors. But the thing is, what we see, we value. What's in front of us takes on meaning. It's important for us to be able to see things reflected in the people and the places that we participate. There's this thing called the Bechtel test. Has anybody heard of the Bechtel test? Okay, some of you are nodding your head. The Bechtel test first appeared in a 1985 comic strip of, and this is the name of the comic strip, it's called Dykes to Watch Out For. This is a long-running comic by cartoonist and writer Alison Bechtel. She wrote uh, Fun Home. So this comic depicts two queer women who are discussing movies, and they're trying to figure out what movie to see. And one remarks that she will only see a film if it meets a certain set of requirements involving female characters. Alison Bechtel, the, the comic writer, said that her dear friend Liz Wallace gave her this idea. What was first described as just a little lesbian joke in an alternative feminist newspaper is now a critical factor for determining the quality of representation of women in the media. So according to that original comic, the three rules are the movie must have at least two women in it, the women have to talk to each other, and their discussion must be about something other than a man you would be surprised how few movies pass the Bechdel test. Now, the test has been updated to suggest that the female characters should be named, also important. They should say more than five words to each other, and they should share more than a minute of screen time. So it makes me think about biblical women and the Bechdel-Wallace test. If we would think to so many biblical women, Esther, Rahab, Deborah, Miriam, Mary Magdalene, you would find meeting uh, one of these criteria to be true, maybe two, but they wouldn't pass all the criteria. But the framing of today's gospel lesson, what's happening that we just heard Mary Magdalene say, it absolutely passes. We hear not only two women named and talking to each other in Elizabeth and Mary, but we hear two women delight in each other, and they share a vision for the inbreaking of God into the world. They say that there is power that dwells in each of them. Now, they have approached each other at various stages in their pregnancy. Elizabeth, an older woman, surprised by the news of a miraculous pregnancy, supporting Mary, a younger woman who is also surprised by the news of a miraculous pregnancy. So here's just a little pregnancy fun fact. And it's not lost on me the fact that there are times when saying the word pregnant from the front of a church is still not acceptable in a lot of places. But here's a fun fact about a pregnant body. When a person is pregnant, their blood volume increases by about 50 
So a pregnant person has 150% of blood that a not pregnant person has. I just find it fascinating as we think about Mary pregnant with Jesus, that the blood that was shed for us was produced and circulated by a woman's body. In Mary's song, she is declaring not only what will happen in the future, but what is already happening. God is raising up the lowly and the humble from their margins. C.S. Lewis once called this passage of scripture terrible in the sense of the Latin word terribilis, meaning something awe-inspiring and terrifying in its vision of God's order. God is rebuking the proud, the rich, the powerful, and exalting the very people who have been exploited by them. And it is a pregnant woman's body that is not only declaring the word, but is creating the life that will bring this to fruition. So what does it all mean for us today? In our own recent history, this passage has allegedly been banned by dictators and oppressors for fear of inciting rebellion. And I'll speak only from my own experience, but there are many places and spaces in which being a female-bodied and female-expressing person is dangerous. There are still places that I'm not allowed to preach or speak or lead. There are people and systems that seek to remove my freedom and autonomy from me and other women and girls. And in this context, I've still got it pretty good. There are places in the world where girls are routinely assaulted and mutilated and murdered just because of their biological sex. As Reverend Lacey Hunter declares, we need Mary's Magnificat to remind us to magnify for us what life-giving power rather than dominating power feels like. What truth-telling sounds like, what peace-filled future is possible. We need to understand all the tactics and possibilities that Mary magnifies as we prepare for the presence of God to be made flesh and dwell among us. And in many ways that can and will change our lives. Now, we of the Protestant persuasion tend to only talk about Mary in these days leading up to Christmas, when we differentiate for her from the other Marys by her relationship to her son, Jesus. We often forget, though, her revolutionary words that were first trusted to another woman. She is not simply a vessel to hold and grow the body of Jesus, but she is a prophet in her own right. Mary has long been argued over with church doctrines and some traditions saying that Mary was perpetually a virgin and that she was born without sin. The problem is that this removes God's indwelling from so many of our own realities as bodied people living in the world. But Mary, this young woman, this girl had very little evidence in a terrifying situation and yet she said, let it be with me according to God's word. Mary consented. Mary said yes. Maybe what sets her apart isn't her relationship to her son, but the fact that she said yes. 
her yes was brave and her yes meant that she could see God in places that other people couldn't. She could see God in her. And Advent means that we wait for God to do this all again. And it means that sometimes we have to be brave enough to see God in ourselves. God can and will still be born into this broken and hurting world. In the fourth century, Gregory of Nyssa wrote, what was achieved in the body of Mary will happen in the soul of everyone who receives the word. See, God is at work in you in much the same way that God was at work in Mary. Not quite like you're going to miraculously and a little weirdly become pregnant. But I do think that you carry in your body the blessing of God. And having faith like Mary means trusting yourself, means allowing yourself to be God's presence in the world. See, God is... At, at work in you in much the same way. And the thing is, we have to seek that out sometimes because we don't always see in front of us these stories. Clarissa Pinkola Estes is a Latinx theologian who writes a book about Mary called Untie the Strong Woman. And in it, she tells stories about her childhood. One story she tells is how in her poor village, they did everything by fire. And Daryl, I love that the topic of your song today was fire. It just, it literally warmed me as, as these connections were made. She talked about how all the cooking, all the washing, all the storytelling happened around fire. And she tells of how at night her grandmother had this practice of sifting through the ashes and looking for any wood that in any way resembled the feminine form. She wouldn't often find them, but every six weeks or so they would hear her, they would hear her celebrating. She would hoist one of these wooden pieces above her, say, above her head and say, I looked for her and she came for us. And Esther says that her grandmother would then put these little black Madonnas on the ledge of the garden. And her grandmother would declare, she's looking out for us. She's blessing our garden. We will flourish this year. The thing is, though, that in their village, there was an Irish priest who would come by. And as her grandmother would proudly declare about these little black Madonnas that she had found... He would poo-poo them. He would say, oh, that's not Mary. God didn't come to you. Don't you know Mary had porcelain skin? But I think that the reason that her grandmother clung to those Madonnas is because they helped her see that God looked like her. Dark skin, worn down and hardened, a product of what surrounds her, while at the same time, a bold proclamation of so much hope and life, and possibility. Can you imagine that? The season of Advent is about waiting and understanding that the God we await is also being born in us. The same blood that is pumping through our bodies is what fuels us to be the presence of Jesus in the world. So when you feel unseen, or scared, or confused, or overwhelmed, or maybe even a little bit excited... 
I pray that you can utter a fierce and brave yes, just like Mary. And may that yes lead to the work of reconciliation, of peace, and justice, and mercy for each and every person. Amen.